going live. Well, good evening, everyone. Um, welcome to our Wednesday night service. Tonight reminds me of the period of time that we went through the pandemic. And um, it has brought a lot of thoughts into my mind because we were only five people in church. And um, during those days, I want to say I really appreciated Nadine's dedication and commitment. Of course, Sister Chandra is always there. And some other folks are always there, but her commitment and dedication to keep the music uh, going through all of these services, through the entire pandemic period. And um, God has been good to us. And so tonight, it's, um, it's not a, the best of weather. Um, a little bit, of, little bit of ice, little bit of rain, more rain, some ice falling, ice pellets, a little bit of snow in some parts of the city. I told Brother Sinbad and Sister Pam not to come because they travel on the subway, and it's really a long trip for them to uh, make the journey to church on a wintry night. But I'm glad that you're here, uh, those of you that are in church, and those of you that are in your cozy house, good for you. Um, but remember, God blesses sacrifices. And uh, it is said uh, for many, many years that without sacrifices, the fire will not fall. And not every sacrifice, the prophets of Baal, they had a sacrifice and nothing fell. They cut themselves, scream, holler, dance around, and their sacrifice never was consumed. But when a man of God puts that sacrifice out, fire fell from heaven and burnt up the sacrifice. And so this is important for us to understand. Anyways, it's Wednesday night, and I want you to join with me in prayer before we get into uh, the choruses that we want to worship the Lord with tonight. So please join me in prayer. The Heavenly Father, once again, we want to thank you tonight for your goodness, your grace, your mercy. Lord, we are only alive tonight because of your goodness, not because of what we have done, not because what our parents have done, but because you have always been good and gracious. Thank you for your faithfulness, Father. Uh, you are indeed a faithful Heavenly Father, and we want to thank you. We commit a service tonight before you, Lord, and we pray that as we stream this uh, Wednesday night service that you would minister to every child of God uh, that's following us online and those sitting in this assembly tonight. Be a blessing to them. Oh, God, we ask in Jesus' name that you'll bless us in a real special way tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. And thank you, Lord, for your mercy. 
mercy and your grace for meeting with us in this place. We just want to praise your name and thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. just want to praise your name and thank you Lord for your mercy and your grace for meeting with us in this place we just want and thank you Lord Father, we bless your name tonight. We honor your name. We adore your name. And thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace for meeting with us in this place. We just want to praise your name and thank you, Lord. Yes, God. Oh, I praise your name, Lord. I thank you for good days, bad days. Every day, Lord. You've not forsaken us. You've been with us, Father. We bless your name. You're so wonderful. You're so precious. You're so lovely. Oh, for meeting with us in this place, we just want to praise your name and thank you, Lord. A spirit just like yours, a faith that will that's my desire to lift up holy hands your will to understand to move at your command that's my desire have a heart like yours oh yes Lord Lord to love you to dedicate our lives yes Father we thank you we thank you we thank you to lift up holy hands your will to To have a heart that 
that's pure A spirit just like yours A faith that will endure That's my desire Your will to I was saying earlier that tonight the gloominess, the weather, um, the attendance in church, well, tonight is not too bad, but I remember the pandemic days. And the problem with us is sometimes we tend to forget where we're coming from. And sometimes God takes us through an experience and he chastises us. As the book of Job says, he speaks once and he speaks it twice. And sometimes we still don't pay attention to what God is saying. A remarkable group of people that did that continuously were, were, was the nation of Israel. 
And on a weekend, I took time to show that when Paul wrote and he said, whatsoever was written aforetime, was written for our learning, he was referring to, to the Old Testament. He was referring to the books of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And he was also referring to the books that follow. They were not, uh, they were not all uh, combined together. They were individual scrolls. Uh, Job's writing was an individual scroll. Moses had five scrolls that made up the Pentateuch or the books of the law or what they say, the Torah. And we had Psalms. And I'm not sure if Psalms was made up of a multiple of scrolls because David was not the only one that wrote the Psalms. But it might have been a combination of all little scrolls put together. But when Paul was saying that to uh, the church at Rome, that whatsoever was written aforetime, he was referring to the life and the history of the Old Testament. Well, that was 2,000 years ago Paul said that. Today, if I make the same statement and says whatsoever was written aforetime, I'm not only referring to the Old Testament, but I'm referring to the New Testament. And <clears throat> tragically, when I look at the Old Testament, I see Israel coming out of Egypt, backsliding, going back into captivity, coming back into the land that God has promised them, backslide again, going back. Uh, they, by the time they got back and settled on a few years, God had to take them again into captivity because they were always so fickle. That was the nation of Israel. And when I come to the New Testament, when I say tragically, is that we see the church get started. We see saints coming out of spiritual Egypt. But we have never really lived, or the, the early church did not exist long enough to see us to see them coming back into relationship with God. When the churches of Galatia backslid, they backslid and remained backslidden. When the church at Corinth backslid, it backslid, never returned back. So when I'm looking at the closer whatsoever was written aforetime, I'm not having enough examples to see a restoration of God's people that are backsliding during the New Testament age. I look at all these churches, whether it's Thessalonica or it's Philippi or Colossae, some lasted longer. When John received the seven letters to the churches of Asia, Ephesians, Ephesus was still there. And we know Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamos and Thyatira and all of these assemblies in Asia Minor was still in existence, but out of seven churches, five of those had serious problems. One was almost completely dead, even though to the world it seemed that it was alive. And so, when I'm thinking, uh, we have to ask God to give us guidance for today. We cannot only put our strength and our confidence in just history. 
We have to have God help us today because it's a different day than any other period of time in the history of the world. There's no way I can fight today's wars with yesterday's weapons. Alexander the Great was a great, great general and he was a world conqueror. But if Alexander the Great was resurrected with all his armies and put today, it'd only take 10 men with modern weapons to eliminate the entire armies of Alexander the Great. And so why I said that is because evil as it existed in the Old Testament and in the New Testament is not as evil as it is today. And so when I thought of God giving us the pandemic, it was a test. The pandemic was a test to our commitment. I sat here tonight and I'm thinking, what was the pandemic? It was a test to our commitment and it was an open door to an electronic world where the world that we were ex exposed to, and some people had never even went on the internet to look at anything, during the pandemic period, and we started to stream, you were given a lot to look at. And while God created the Garden of Eden and put one tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden, today we have hundreds of trees that are evil, that God has to help us with. Are you listening to me? Adam had to cope with one tree. We have all kinds of trees that we have to cope with. And I'm trying to make a list of some of these things. I think of the tree of fashion. And long ago, they all wore gongs. A man or a gong. I'm sure a man's gong was a little different than a woman's gong. But they all wear robes and gowns. And when you saw Jesus, he had a gown. If he came like he was dressed 2,000 years ago and walked into our church, we'll think it's some weird uh, cult person. Because he would wear a gown and walk on in. Uh, he'll come with a beard and we would not even accept him. Well, times have changed. Can you imagine when the first man decided he was going to wear a pants, what society thought he was doing? When the first man changed from wearing a robe and a gown and put a trousers on, a pair of trousers on, I wonder what the world thought if he was naked. Is he wearing his underwear? You know, you think about it. You see, we live today and we fail to realize where we're coming from. But I imagine the first man to put a trousers on and walk in among a lot of people that had robes, they would think he's sick. But that has become the trend. There was a time when men alone had trousers. Today, women wear pants. Men wear pants. Today, there is nothing when you walk down the street. If you can block your mind from looking at the way people dress, it is obnoxious. There was a time when you wear, um, you had a patch, a little torn part on your clothes, and you'd cover it up. Today, the idiots 
made that into fashion. Torn up jeans is a fashion made for idiots. Common sense is a missing element in our day. It is really a missing element. Why would a child of God go follow the worldly trend? Let me not get carried away here. But you get excited. I get excited about the word of God and preaching the truth. But when we look at the trees in this massive garden, fashion is one. And when we think of fashion, there's such a wide variety. And I can't tell you how long is long, how short is short. I can tell you, try to be modest and please God. And would you dress like that in the presence of a prince or a king or a majesty? Why would you dress like that in church? You understand what I'm saying? So you've got to make up your mind. I can't, I, God never told me uh, how you ought to dress. You've got to have a conscience and tell you how much you need to avoid the ungodly element. And I will show you tonight, before the service gets to a close, that the choice is set before us of good and evil. And unlike the Garden of Eden where they had one tree to choose from and a lot of trees to get permission to eat of, we have a lot of trees knocking down our doors. And so, with electronics, with our ability to access television and the internet, your mind is exposed to a lot of things that corrupts your mind. And when I'm thinking fashion is one, I'm thinking Hollywood is another. And, you know, like I said, when God spoke to Israel, he gave them a choice between good and evil. He says, I'm set before you good and evil. You have to choose what's good and avoid what's evil. Well, the choice is still ours today, but if you don't have an experience with God, you might be making wrong choices. Whether you're in the church or you're not in the church, choices are given to every one of us. And when we think of Hollywood, and we think of the idols of Hollywood, which star is your favorite? Which actor is your favorite? You know, ever so often uh, we decide we want to look at a show, and I tell Sister Chandra, let's sit down and look at, this is a very nice uh, show, and then before you know it, they're using all kinds of foul language. And the dean says, Dad, unless they use that, the, the, the rating goes down. Well then, I want low-rating shows to look at. But you see, the choice is mine. I can sit down and fill my mind with garbage, or I can consider that this body is the temple of God, and I must protect it from the evil that's out there. And so, fashions, Hollywood, I'm thinking of sports. See, whether it's Hollywood and the idols of Hollywood, the stars and the ones that you like better than the other, you know, and you put so many individuals up on pedestals that I can't even find God. Then we have sports. I said that I think sports is one of the, uh, the most intoxicating religions of the world. 
Because whether you're Muslim or you're Hindu or you're atheist or whoever you are, you're smart or not smart, everybody sits down and enjoy the games. Now, I don't. I, I really, and you know, when you really think about it, that's all some people have to enjoy. And maybe I would have enjoyed it too. But I really don't. God has helped me uh, so I can be sanctified from that element. I've got other problems in life. But when I'm thinking of, you see, Paul, uh, when David was writing, he said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel, counsel of the ungodly. Well, during the pandemic, uh, you could log on uh, to the internet and find out what's good to avoid COVID-19. And some people go on the internet and put conspiracy theories. They put the scare and the, the fear of man and evil in people's hearts. And what was lost and was missing was the fear of God. The fear of God was replaced by the fear and influence of mankind. And so you sit down and you don't pray no more to find out which way to go because you can go to the drugstore and get whatever vitamins is good for you. So you go on the internet and find out what's good for cells, what's cal what I need for arthritis, what I need for this. You know, here is what Saul David said. Blessed is the man that walketh not. Don't listen to the counsel of the ungodly. Now, does the ungodly have good advice sometimes? Yes, because God has set before us good and evil. Can you be able to put God in the right perspective in your life that when you look at what is offered in the world, you make the right choice? Whether it's fashion or whether it's entertainment of any sort, you can sit there and know when you can eat a pomegranate and something else you can't eat meats offered to idols. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. God said so. David wrote that, and he wrote that many years ago. He said, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf are all withered up. No. When you walk in the counsel of God, health and pre preservation becomes a part of your life, your existence. And we are thinking about this tonight. And you're thinking about whether it's medical or economical or uh, some conspiracy of health theory. And you know, pastors have come to the place of when you're sick, you know, Sister Doherty, if you're sick and you're having covid I don't have the power of God, so I'll tell you what pill to take, what vitamin to take, how much thousand vitamin D you need. The children of Israel marched through the wilderness for 40 years without vitamin D, vitamin C, vitamin E, or anything. No fresh vegetables. Their clothes did not wear off, and their shoe did not wear off. And that's looking back to the Old Testament, God preserved them. It is almost impossible 
in our day not to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Because there's so much. And so the moment you, you have a, a few minutes, you take out your... Uh, we don't get addicted to alcohol as much or tobacco as much or, or that kind of stuff as much. We get addicted to cell phones. We live in an age where technology has become a god. And that which you put in priority becomes your idol. And if you're to serve God, then you've got to put God first in your life. The first thing you do in the day is to pray and talk to God. Absolutely right. Amen. And so, when I'm thinking of all of these things, I'm thinking of all the idols we have, all the perversions we have. I'm going back into the Old Testament here for a little bit. And I'm looking at the book of Deuteronomy. And so I was saying that earlier, that we must come to the place of not forgetting where we're coming from, but to be able to tell it again. The word Deuteronomy means to tell it again. And so we'd look a little bit, a little bit as to whatsoever was written aforetime in the Old Testament. And then we'll turn a little bit and look at whatsoever was written aforetime in the New Testament and see how we can enhance our service to God uh, by being instructed here tonight. Amen? Amen? And so Deuteronomy, Moses is recapping or retracing the journey that the children of Israel made when they left Egypt. From chapter 1 going all the way, way down to the last part of Deuteronomy, Moses is writing it again. He's telling it again. And uh, that is what, that is what um, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy means. It means to tell it again. That's what they told me. I never really went and checked it out in detail. I just know that they said that Deuteronomy means to tell it again. And that is what Moses was doing here. And so in chapter 8, uh, Moses comes and he talks about the children of Israel here, and he says, verse 1, chapter 8, he says, All the commandments which are commanded this day shall you do. This is what God said. Moses is repeating what God said to the children of Israel. He says, All the commandments which are commanded this day shall you observe to do, that you may live. Everybody say live. Live. He says, and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years. You got to look back and see where you're coming from. I like to reflect at my life. And somebody actually got upset with me one time. All you do is talking about your life. Well, whose life you want me to talk about? That's my life. That's my gospel. If you were living in Paul's day, you'll, you'll condemn Paul. You're living in Moses' day, you'll condemn him. Why are you dealing with this again? Well, we have the same months. January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, right down to December. And we deal with that every year for our whole life. Nobody gets tired with it. Well, I don't want to call it January. I'm tired calling it January. I want to call it, you want to go ahead? Go ahead. We accept so many things in our lives, but when someone is trying to tell you 
where they are coming from, because that is important. When I check, check the dunghill that God has lifted me from, and I traced my days and how many times I could have died or to where I am today, don't tell me not to say it. Close your ears, because that's my testimony and my life. I will say it, and I'll say it, and I'll say it over and over again. I have a habit of saying things over and over again. And I preach sometimes a message over and over again. And believe it or not, I might preach a message 10 times, and when I come the 11th time to ask the people what I said, they don't remember. Peter said, I would not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them. Not really, Peter. He's being nice. They did not remember it. And that is why he's telling them again. He says, I bring you remembrance of these things, though you know it, that you be established in the present truth. And I must do the same. And Paul and Moses is tracing here. And verse 2, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord led thee these forty years in the wilderness to teach you humility and to prove what is in your heart by giving you the negatives and the trials in that wilderness, it brings to the surface what's really in your heart. A negative situation, somebody step on your toe, make you cuss, that was always inside. It takes someone stepping on your toe to bring it up. And it's sometimes good to hear someone talk because when they talk, you know what's in their heart. Negative circumstances are given either to expose the evil that's in us or to help us to make some changes and adjustments when we discover who we are. Israel had to go through this experience for them to know. And he humbled thee, verse 3, and suffered thee to hunger. God allow you to be humbled and he allow you to go hungry and he fed you with manna that you learned to appreciate him. And he goes down here, he says, Thy raiment wax not old. I'm skipping too fast here. Um, old. Neither did your foot swell these 40 years. Can you imagine they're walking for 40 years on hot sand with sandals and it did not wear off? Because God preserves. I believe in longevity. I believe in longevity. If I buy a piece of furniture, it's forever. That's me. And it's maybe just a habit. I have, I, if I have a guitar pick, it's forever. I have a paintbrush, an artist brush, it's forever. The things I have that are with me forever because I believe in longevity. And Moses is going on here, and then he comes down here in verse 11. And he says, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgment. Don't you forget what God wants you to do. You get carried away when you meet friends, ungodly family and friends, that you forgot that you're a child of God. I don't. Sometimes gathering with uh, people that don't believe in what I believe is very boring for me. That's right. Even in family, 
that believe in what I believe, want to spend a day and we want to play games and stuff, that's boring for me. That's a waste of my time. But that's me because I'm called to do a different job. You're, you're okay. You enjoy life. I don't. Some things bore me to death. Anyways, going on again. Um, it says, Beware lest thou forget the Lord. Verse 12. Uh, <clears throat> he says, Lest when thou was eaten and are full, you come to a place where you're not struggling no more. You know you come to Canada. When we came to Canada, we struggled. Um, we had to trust God. Um, I took for many, many years $100 a week from the church for my support. And it meant that I had to go drive a school van to get some extra money. Chandri babysat. And that's how we continue to live. When we wanted a necktie, when I wanted a new necktie, I go to the Salvation Army in Toronto and pay 50 cents for a tie. And when I wear it and come to church, somebody said, wow, he got a new tie. I said, yes, 50 cents. I still got a suit that I didn't wear, a jacket that I didn't wear tonight because it's starting to wear out on top here that I bought for $8 from Salvation Army on, on, on Dundas and discovered it was Alfred Sung. A Chinese made it, but he was popular. He was a, like I was in fashion when I wear it. And they said, Dad, you know that's Alfred Sung? I said, who? <laughs> Alfred Sung. He made my suit. I'm not into fashions. I'm not into fashions. I'm old-fashioned. That's the only fashion I'm in. And then the Lord says, when you start to get things, you're not poor no more. Things are flowing along. That has never happened to me, really. We are always in need of stuff, right, Jandri? Now, we're always fighting challenges. I still trust God to a great extent for all my needs in this city. That's right. And then he says, And you build goodly houses to dwell therein. And when thou have heard, and thy flocks multiply, and your silver is increased, and that's multiplied, and, that was, and all that is multiplied, that thine heart be lifted up. Because the bank account is growing. Your heart is lifted up, and thou forget the Lord your God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And you say in verse 17, and thou shalt say in thine heart, my power and my might, the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. Paul, that Moses is telling them, don't ever, ever let this happen to you. And so when you think about that, and I don't want to get into chapter 9, it really gets serious. But here in chapter 30, and I'm looking at the time, trying to move here with the time. In chapter 30, uh, <clears throat> Moses is still talking. In chapter 28, and you can read that when you go home, he talks about, it shall come to pass in chapter 28, verse 1, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments which I commanded this day. That, what will happen? All the blessings shall come upon thee. Verse 3, blessed shall thou be in the city. 
You'll be blessed in the city. Blessed shall thou be in the field. You'll be blessed in the field. And when we're looking back at the Old Testament, the days that they existed, it was natural Israel, natural blessings. When you come to the New Testament and you became a disciple of Jesus, it was spiritual blessings that were different than the Old Testament blessings. And that is why it is important that you have someone that can help you to understand that you're not a Jew. You're a Gentile, saved by grace. Spiritual Jew, not natural. Don't try to do natural things that the Jews do. You're a spiritual Jew. Your circumcision is not natural. It should be circumcision of the heart. Your blessings should not be natural. It should be blessings of the heart. Blessed are thou when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. You're blessed. But back there, it was natural blessings, and it goes down to name blessings, verse 3, verse 4, verse 5, verse 6. And the Lord says, He will cause thine enemy that rise up before you to be smitten, verse 7. And then He says, But if you start to disobey me, and you start to go contrary to me, He said, verse 16. Verse 15, if thou shalt come to pass that if you will not hearken unto my voice, God said in verse 16, Cursed shall thou be in the city, and cursed shall thou be in the field, and cursed shall be thy basket, and cursed shall be your children, and cursed shall be, be you when you're going out and coming in. <clears throat> Sad day for Israel, isn't it? And so when we look at this, Coming to chapter 30, and that's what I want to really come to, and I've got uh, 25 minutes to finish this lesson. In chapter 30, it says, You shall come to pass when all these things are come upon thee, the blessings and the curse, both are set before you. You obey God, you're blessed. You disobey God, you're cursed. So when you're blessed and you have a good day, what do you say? Praise God, it's a good day. <clears throat> when people are persecuting you, in this day we're living in, and they're speaking all manner of evil against you, lift up your hands and praise God, because you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. Make sure it's righteousness you're persecuted for, and not some conniving thing you did on the job. And he goes on here and he says, Verse 2, And thou shalt return unto the Lord thy God. Here is Israel returning, and God is promising natural Israel. And as we read this scripture, think of Israel in the Mideast. Right? The land of Israel today. Think of the Jews in that land. But also remember that when the Lord says you return unto me, it's not living in sin like they are right now. The Jews... They have, the, the, the Muslim nations around Jerusalem are more moral than the Jews living in Jerusalem, in, 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 among the Jews. The Jews, natural Jews right now in Israel, are not as moral as the Muslims around the nation of Israel. Are you listening to me? That doesn't make God's approval on you, but 
it shows it's, you don't have a testimony if you're immoral. If you're promoting an alternate lifestyle and have people marching down the street promoting that which God condemns, you're not spiritual. God must judge you. But God is telling Israel that when you return unto me and you start to obey my voice and thy children which uh, with all their hearts and with all thy soul, verse 3, then, that then the Lord thy God will turn your captivity and have commanded compassion upon thee and, I, and will return to gather thee from all the nations where the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. God will gather Israel from all the nations that he has he scattered them and bring them back when they turn to God. And the Lord will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possess and thou shalt possess it and he shall do he shall do thee good and multiply thee above thy fathers. Now, I'm not a politician. I'm not there debating what's going on in the Mideast. I'm telling you what God said to Israel. And I'm going to tell you in a few minutes what God is saying to us. You could get carried away watching the news. Watch your own news. Wake up in the morning and find out if you're living for God. Is your heart right? Is your mind on God? Did you listen to the word of God today? Did you pray? Did you walk in his statutes? A lot of us follow us. You know how many people, Christians, are following themselves? I said, Jesus spoke to me and this one spoke to me. What do you think the Lord is, a joker? Don't look at me like that. And then he goes on, and the Lord says, uh, the Lord says, and the Lord thy God, verse 5, will bring thee into the land which thy fathers, uh, that, which thy fathers possessed, and thou shalt possess it, and he shall give thee, uh, he will do thee good and multiply thee above thy fathers. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart. You see, there was a time when it was natural circumcision. But as the Jews start to return to God, there must be a spiritual experience that the nation of Israel must experience that was never experienced in the past. And for you and I today, we are to be the seed of Abraham, spiritually speaking. Our circumcision is not natural circumcision of the flesh, but is a circumcision of the heart. And that means we must love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul and all our might. We cannot walk in the counsel of the ungodly. It's not easy serving God living in Egypt. But we're told that we need to do that. And the Lord writes down here, he comes down, and Moses, I'm skipping through some of these areas, and verse 15, he says, see, the Lord says, see, I have set before thee this day life and good, death and evil. In that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgment that thou mayest live and multiply. 
Your spiritual prosperity as a child of God today depends on your commitment and dedication to God. But there's so many props that Satan has provided for you. If you're not walking around fearful, <laughs> you're, you're walking around intoxicated with the world, the spirit of the world. And that is what, and I don't have time tonight, but that is what John was writing in Revelation when he says, The world wanders after the beast. The world includes Christians, Muslims, atheists, Hindus, and every religion of the world. They wander after the beast, except those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I cannot tell you whose name is written because I don't know myself. I hope mine is. But your life speaks more than your voice. You can come and tell me, brother, saying, you know, I love God, blah, 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 just blah. Talk is not the same as walk. That's what he said in prison, right, Brother Joe? Brother Joe wrote a book, says, Walking the Walk, when he was in prison. And in prison, when you accept the Lord, they will tell you, you got to walk the walk. Because a man can talk the talk and not walk the walk. And that is what is happening today. There is more hypocrisy uh, in the midst among Christians than there is sincerity and honesty. The world has moved on into the church. The world has affected our worship. The world has affected the kind of way we preach. The world has affected what we read and what we study. And most of the times when the scripture says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, I can hold the Bible and preach from it, but because of the amount of commentaries and the ungodly men that influence my interpretation, I could hold the Bible in my hand and preach the counsel of the ungodly. It is very critical that I understand what God wants in my own life and live to please God. And so it goes on here and it says, verse 17, But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but thou shalt be drawn away and worship <coughs> other gods, whether it's the fashion world, the sports world, or another Jesus, Paul said to the church at Corinth, which we have not preached. I think the world today is intoxicated with the wine of the woman's fornication. I feel the world is wandering after the beast, and many of us, if we have not, if Israel went back into captivity so often, I pray that God would help us that we don't go into captivity. But God has promised blessings for Israel, and he has promised blessings for us. It goes on here, and it says, I denounce unto you this day that you shall surely perish, and that you shall not prolong your days upon the land, when, whether you, whither thou 
pass it over Jordan to one possess it. In other words, if verse 17, if your heart be turned away from God, God denounce your life and he will bring judgment upon you. And in today's world, where there are so many props that we can run to, our faith is developed limitly. For God to bring people coming out of great tribulation and wash their robes and have it white in the blood of the Lamb, tribulation must be given to this earth. There must be God's judgment unleashed on society where all the pampering that you get in society is taken away that you'll have to turn to God once again. We have life at ease in Zion living in Canada. I said at ease in Zion because that's a, a quotation from scripture. And the Lord says, I will call I call, I call heaven and earth to record this day, verse 19, that I've set before thee. Again, God says, I want you to listen. Israel, he says, I've set before you life and death, a blessing and a curse. That thou mayest love the Lord thy God and that thou mayest obey his voice. The same is applied, that applied to Israel is applied to us. Turn with me into your New Testament, into one scripture here in, in the book of Corinth, in 2 Corinthians, just for a few moments before we bring this service to a close. I'm glad I'm in church. Amen. And when I'm to examine idols in my life, I have a hard time. Because if everything I put on a pedestal and it holds priority more than God... You see, this sanctimonious thing we do when we come to church, Jesus, I love you. It's a sanctimonious hypocrisy. I love you more today. What's that song? More than ever before, Lord, I love you. And you know, you do your, you'd make yourself, your face... A sincere, you wrinkle up, wrinkle up your forehead and you put your hand and you sing, what is it? More than ever before, Lord, I love you. Liar. We lie to God every time we sing songs that has no reality in our life. We lie to God. Paul in writing here to the church at Corinth, he makes some statements here. He says, verse 14, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. All around us are unbelievers. You don't have to join an unbeliever. You can sit and take on the fashion that a pervert has designed. Tonight I picked on torn up jeans. Anybody here has torn up jeans? I hope not, but I, I'm picking on torn up jeans. Do you tell me honestly to God? Do you think a Christian designed that? Hmm? You think a Christian designed clothes that is perverted in its appearance? Exposing the human body? You think a Christian introduce all this pornography that is displayed 
And I told Sister Chandra, I said, we're not going to sit down and watch a show that they're swearing all the time and they're fornicating all the time. No. Let's purify our mind. Purify my heart, Lord. Because if my heart is circumcised, it could not stand that. Well, some of us, we have different addictions. And we are addicted to fashions. We are addicted to sports. We are addicted to everything Except we're not addicted to Jesus. Spiritual addiction is what I'm promoting tonight. May God help us to develop spiritual addiction. Addicted to attending church. I think I'm addicted to church attendance. I'm addicted to finding things to do for God. I'm addicted to love and to charity. I'm addicted to do good. May God help me that I'll grow and develop that in a greater measure. And he goes on here, Paul goes on, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship had righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion had light with darkness? You see, Paul could have said the same to Israel. Because if they're to serve God of light, they can't go back and follow the Egyptian ways and the pagan customs that they were delivered from. It is hard for children of God today to do the right thing. I'm not telling you whatsoever was written aforetime in the Old Testament. I'm telling you whatsoever was written aforetime in the New. And this church was already on its way to dark out to hell. And Paul writes, he says, what concord has Christ with Belial? He says, what part of he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Your body is the temple of God. What you see, uh, it feeds your mind. What your mind feeds on develops your spirit. Sanctify your eyes. Sanctify your spirit. Sanctify your heart. Be circumcised in your heart. The Lord says, verse 17, Wherefore come out from among them and be separate, said the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And this mighty apostle, if you back up a little, this mighty apostle, he was serving God, and he says here in verse 4, and I wish every minister that perchance listened to this message can read this and find out how much this is working in his life. Paul says, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God, by buying expensive cars, by making, you know, by traveling first class or doing things that the world you, you don't fall in a category where there's humility anymore. You fall in a category where there's pride and pomp. You know, I traveled a few times in first class when Brother Anand was uh, working for United Airlines. He says, today you're traveling first class. And I go in first class and when they're bringing, serving us drinks and I'm looking at the poor people in the back that don't, get, don't have anything. I feel guilty. Why am I having all this attention and the poor people at the back are not having anything? 
That's me. I worry about people. I worry about the impression I create. Would Jesus, what would Jesus have done? What would Paul have done? Well, here is what Paul says. He says, I'm approving myself as a minister of God. I'm going to read this very quickly. He says, in much patience. What works patience? Tribulation. He says, in afflictions. What? Paul, you're kidding. In necessities, I had times when I needed things and I could not afford to get it. In distresses, in stripes. That's not military stripes. That's stripes on your back. Because somebody's persecuting you. He says in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings and fastings. He says, but at the same time, I did all of this by pureness and by knowledge and by long suffering and by kindness and by the Holy Ghost and by a love that was not a fake love. He says, not an unfeigned love. He says, by the word of truth. And by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report. People want to accuse me and some people appreciate me being there. Some people think I'm a false prophet and some people are blessed by the lessons I preach. Yeah. Evil report, good report. He says as deceivers, but people say he's a deceiver, he's a false prophet. And some people know that you're not. You're there for their life. He says, as unknown, but known to God, as dying in this life, but behold, we live unto God. He says, as chastened, every time I slip, God chastises me, but he doesn't kill me. Isn't that wonderful? What's wonderful, Brother Singh? All those things are bad things. Yes, that made him qualified as a minister, not some big fish. I was talking to a minister today. Let me finish this verse 10. A sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. And I understand to a certain extent what Jesus, when the scripture says he was a man of sorrows. Because there has not been a day that go by. I was talking to a very good minister this morning. He called because he said I was on his mind. And I said, I'm glad that I'm on your mind. Um, I was on your mind because last night I could not sleep. Because I sat up because of the pressure of the work of God. Because the pressure of the economical pressure of the church. Because of the future of the church, I could not sleep. I said, I got up at, at 1.30, went back to bed at 3.30, couldn't sleep. And then some person decided they're going to ring my phone at four o'clock in the morning. I later picked it up to see if it was somebody dying overseas and it was somebody that wanted to say hello. So I blocked them. This month, before this month comes to an end, I want to go into Facebook and pull a lot of people that just wanted friend because they want to, to fish around on Facebook. Block them, just el eliminate them. I have a friend, his name is Jesus. And if you want to be my friend, that's fine. I'm not a nice person to be your friend, but I'll be the most faithful friend you can have. And a friend love it more than a brother does. This is what scripture says. 
And Paul says, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing all things. This man was addicted to serving God and living right. Addicted to following Christ. Addicted to the work of God. I pray that God would help us to become addicted to serving God. Let's pray. Father, we give you praise and thanks tonight for this time you have given us that we can be in church. Let these words, Father, we have heard tonight challenge our lives and influence our future. Help us, O God, as we embrace the counsel of the ungodly on a daily basis, not to be carried away, not to put our souls in the hands of the non-elect, but, O God, to trust you and to put you on the highest pedestal in our lives, we pray, Father. In Jesus' name and for his glory and honor. Amen and amen.